Welcome to She Powers Tech, which is our Women Supporting Women in Tech. And I am thrilled to have you here today. It's great to be in a room full of women, isn't it? For the next, I know, and thank you to our men here too. Sorry. Thank you, men. Woo! How does it feel? Yeah? Um, yeah, I was in a session today with one woman. That was me. Um, so the next hour, we're going to have the great pleasure of hearing some of the most phenomenal women that you've ever heard from before. And these are innovative women, women who work in fashion and technology and you name it, they've done it. They have really strove for gender equity in all that they do and all their work. Now, one of the things I would love for you guys to do as we are here is tweet. Are you guys tweet? Okay, so there was a tweet a tweet that went out today that said, where are all the women? So I want you guys to tweet, 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 tweet. So there'll be like lots of women showing up everywhere. And the hashtag is hashtag she, she powers tech. Is that right? Margie, where's Margie? We power tech. So is it hashtag we power tech? Hashtag we power tech. Um, so I guess I should tell you who I am. My name is Sandy Carter. I am with uh, Amazon Web Services, and I run our EC2 enterprise workload business and our Windows workload business, and I am very passionate about women in tech. I am the chairman of the board for a group that's a great group called uh, Girls in Tech, if you know that, and I've worked for a while to hopefully have a lot of women recognized. Now, I'm really excited about the work that AWS is doing across the board, in particular with diversity and inclusion. Because you guys know it's as important to include people as it is to recruit people. And I know that our program here called We Powered Tech is going to be an amazing program. It's going to be something that we use to celebrate and to amplify the voices of a whole set of diverse people working in the tech industry. We're very keen on training as well, both for the next generation of technical women and for providing opportunities for all of us here as career women as well. So we really want to make an impact. And in order to do that, I want to get you guys training as well. So we are going to announce that it's going to be easier for you guys to get training as we move forward as well. We're going to be offering our AWS training and certification program. And this is free digital training. And we announced that yesterday you can enable yourselves to build skills and learn more about AWS. Now, new entry-level certification will enable individuals as well with an overall understanding of AWS Cloud to validate your knowledge, which I'm very excited about. Um, and what, what's really exciting is it's going to help us, all of us, to go through this training um, and to really showcase our skills. So everyone who attends today gets a voucher for the free AWS certification. Let's hear it for that free education. <laughs> Yeah, I have to tell you, my daughter just had to do a Python class, so I took it with her, so now I can tell everybody that I code in Python too, not just those old languages that I learned back in school. So I'm really excited, uh, really, really excited about this. Now, um, the next thing I get to do is to introduce um, our first speaker. And this is uh, very personal for me because Anina Nett is not just a uh, globally known fashion model. She's been on the cover of magazines. Whereas most young girls dream of being fashion models, she dreamed of being a coder. So what she's done, truly, this is true, uh, what she's done is she's really combined her talent for fashion and tech together. She is the CEO of her own company. It's called 360 Fashion. Um, and she is amazing. I don't know if you guys know this, but... If you look at female founders of companies, they're 15% more profitable, but they're 40% less likely to get funding. So she you know how she funds a lot of her stuff? She models. 
She gets paid for her modeling, and then she funds a lot of the great tech stuff that she does. Um, she has done some incredible things. She has recently worked in China. Um, and you know how we have the Dick Clark show where we see millions of people? Her fashion was actually featured at Chi the Chinese New Year's show in front of billions of people. But not only is she just an incredible tech woman, she's a big advocate for women in tech, but she's just an incredible person. So I'd love you guys to give it up for my dear friend and colleague, Anina Nett. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thank you for this amazing opportunity to uh, present and to talk to you about my passion for women and technology. And I'd love to show you what it is that we're doing uh, that we think will encourage more women to embrace technology. And I think fashion technology is an amazing platform because it combines together all of the things that I'm passionate about, which is fashion and clothing and beauty and art and theater and performance and technology together. But in my 10 years of doing fashion technology and taking whatever tech comes out and combining it together or having large corporations come to me and say, what can we do with this tech for women, you know? I thought, why am I in a room full of men, you know? Why are there not more women here? Because what we really need is diversity in thinking. And of course, every technology and everything that we do comes out of our life stories. That's where we can see that point where we go, ah, I can solve this problem with technology. But if only ever men are creating technology, then we will only ever have one side of the solution. If instead we could get more of those fashion designers and creatives and non-techies to cooperate with us or to be creating the technology themselves, we would obviously have different solutions that may be good for women who have multitasking lifestyles. There may be opportunities that are being missed because the life story is only one-sided. So in the last uh, three years, I've been focusing on integrating electronics into smart clothing, smart rings, safety, but making things look really beautiful. And so the first problem we have to overcome is the tools that we will work with. And so the first thing we need to do is that techie guys, they always say to me, that's not technology. That's too easy. Those are just LEDs woven into a fabric ribbon. Ha, you go try that and see how many times the needle will break your strip of electric wiring, right? And you tell me how many times I had to redesign the part that like goes boom, down, in to like weave it all together, right? That's not technology, right? Because that means now that we can sew the light into the clothing, right? I can bend the light now. I don't have to cut and solder and recode and program and put a resistor and like all these other things, right? Now I can just bead on top and I can use the skills that I already have, right? So I think one of the main things that we need to think about is meeting women where they're at. And I'm also talking about young women. Carly Rose is 20 years old. There's an 18-year-old who made a beautiful illuminated necklace. She made a raincoat with like a swirl on the back so when you're riding your bike down the rainy street, you're visible. She made a backpack that was transparent with light through it, right? These are all real products that can come to the market. And they look beautiful and they have a purpose and they fit into our lifestyle. So making new materials, creating new systems is one of the best ways that we can catch those girls that those techie guys say, oh, that's home ec. We don't do home ec here. But you know what? Sewing is an actual profession. 
And integration of electronics is a skill that will be massively needed in the future. And being able, like me, to talk to an engineer and say, no, I want this Bluetooth chip. I think we should use this smaller battery. How are we going to get around and create this LED shield, which I want 4.5, not 5 centimeters wide, right? And then being able to talk on the fashion side and say, I need an invisible zipper here so that I can take out those electronics and I can wash the coat and then I can put them back inside, right? So when I think about the woman of the future doing fashion tech, one possibility is someone like me can talk to engineers. I can sit down and solder. I can solve the ESA coding problem. But mainly, I tell people what to do, and I solve their problems. And secondly, being able to talk on the fashion side and being able to architecture the garment to be comfortable and to be beautiful. And so the other thing that we've been doing is that I've created these fashion tech maker kits. So all of these, you know, the glove that Sandy talked about, it was 162 gloves, and it used gesture recognition and the dancer's performance to control the human light pattern because pushing a button totally didn't work. But the, all the dancers knew their dance performance. So high technology solved the problem there. And I want to tell you, real products are coming out of these amazing kits. May I introduce you to the heating shirt made for blue-collar workers who sit at their computers all day, hunched over, coding like mad. They have little massagers in the shoulders that, like, you know, make you feel comfortable. And they have integrated heating in your lower back, right? But this is a real product of the future, and this came from a 20-year-old fashion student using our kits, and I think it's a real amazing product. So, in conclusion, I wanna say, there's a lot of STEM and STEAM programs out there, and I've seen them and I've watched them, but I'm a little bit worried, because yes, I was a tomboy, I'm wearing combat boots, right? So I'm down with robots. I'm, I'm totally crazy about cars. And Tonka trucks, you know, I smashed them up with my brothers too. But the majority of women that I meet, honestly, in fashion, they're not into any of that. And so I think we need to be very careful with our STEM and STEAM programs to meet women, young women, where they're at. And we need to help them use the skills that they have now first and then provide them with the tools that they need to imagine our future. And we don't want to be forcing them to create robots or not even including them because that's not what they're attracted to. So having an alternative fashion tech, I think, can be a great platform to attract women to technology. Thank you. Those cool products that those girls made uh, at the reception, thanks to uh, AWS, if you want to come and see them, they're super cool. Thank you. Give Anika another round of applause. I'm placing my order tonight. So hello, my name is Francesca Vasquez. Wow, it looks really great out here in the audience. Uh, I'm the director of the Solutions Architecture Organization for AWS. Any solution architects in the room? Woo, good job. Uh, diversity and inclusion has been a really top priority uh, for our team this year. And one of our mottos is borrowed from Mahatma Gandhi, we must become the change we want to see. And I am so excited to introduce our next speaker, who I believe represents the change we all want to see. At the age of 14, she co-founded Means Database, a food pantry communication system that quickly coordinates exchanges of excess food items before those items then spoil. Her efforts use big data and other technologies to fight hunger. Impressive. 
Please join me in welcoming the wonderful Maria Rose, co-founder and executive director for Means Database. Thank you. Hi guys, we're gonna see if we can get the slides to go. Maybe, haha, excellent, cool. My name is Maria Rose and I faint, like all the time. <laughs> I have a condition called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is a mouthful. POTS, yeah, we just call it POTS. Basically, my immune system got bored and attacked the part of my brain that regulates my blood pressure, my body temperature, and my heart rate. Essentially, I will stand up or switch positions, my blood pressure will drop, and take me with it, usually two or three times a week. I am super fun at parties. <laughs> I'm also 22 years old, a full-time undergraduate student in Washington, DC, and the co-founder and executive director at Means Database. Means works in 49 US states and territories and has been responsible for the recovery of more than 1.5 million pounds of food since the beginning of our company. And we're run and started by 16 to 26 year olds. I get to call these people my teammates, it's great. These 16 to 26 year olds are 90% female. And we cover diversity in a lot of ways. We cover a lot of different races, a lot of different socioeconomic backgrounds, a lot of different sexual orientations. The one thing we kind of have in common is we're just really, really disabled. Among our team, there's only about 12 of us, we have type 1 diabetes, fibromyalgia, bipolar disorder, OCD, PTSD, depression, anxiety, anaphylactic allergies, four different people who've struggled with self-harm, three different kinds of eating disorders, two strokes, and you know, none of us have come down with a partridge in a pear tree yet, but like, I'll keep you posted. Our collective biology is almost impressively broken, and here we are, running a tech startup while in high school and in college. How do we do that? We make accessibility the norm and the expectation, and we challenge the idea that disability defines us or that we have to defy it in order to succeed. It does not matter how positively I think. If you make me climb a full flight of stairs, I'ma fall down them. <laughs> Positive thinking will not save me. Allie, one of our staffers, she can go to therapy every week, she can take her meds exactly as she is supposed to, and she is still gonna have manic and depressive episodes. There are things that we can do to control the various things that are wrong with us, but for the most part, we can't fix or cure ourselves, and that's okay. Please don't try to tell me that doing yoga will fix me. I tried, I fainted. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to live in Allie's brain. I don't know what it's like to be manic from bipolar disorder or to be so anxious that you freeze. I don't know what that's like, but I don't have to. The lives of others may be beyond our experiences, but they should never be beyond our empathy. I don't have to get it in order to be a compassionate, effective boss. Here's the thing, miserable people don't get stuff done. People who feel like they're not welcome don't get stuff done. Even if I didn't care an ounce about these people, and for the record, I do. For the record, I love them very much. But even if I had no interest in their emotional or physical well-being, I would still want to invest in their health. We have a two questions asked mental health policy, it means. If somebody needs the day off, they need a deadline to move, they need out of something because their mental health is out of control, we have two questions. Number one, are you okay? And number two, how can I help? And that's it, everything is handled. If you're so manic that you can't sit still for more than 15 seconds at a time, you're not any more effective at writing a grant than when I am when I'm breathing through an oxygen mask. I don't have to get it in order to be kind, compassionate, and effective as a leader. People in tech, and especially women in tech, just pride ourselves on being super women, right? It's like, yeah, it's like a contest. Who ate the least? <laughs> when was the last time you had a real meal? Who worked the most hours this week? That doesn't work if your brain and body actually work. That's not great. If you're like us and you're disabled, that is a recipe for disaster. We are told and taught that we have to be so smart, so driven, so accomplished, so perfect, that we fail to remember that we are so human too, and that's okay. 
It's a lesson I need to remind myself every single day, and it's one I push onto my staff, because even if I can't remember it for myself, I have to tell them that. You are enough, and that's okay. It is incredibly important to meet people where they are. Our first speaker did an amazing job of talking about meeting young women around my age where they are. I got to meet my staff where they are, too. I have eight different apps that will bring me food to my office at 2 o'clock in the morning. I have five different messaging platforms via which I can tell them all how much more I worked than them this week. It's kind of time for us to disrupt ourselves. If you're in tech, it's because you kind of want to blow something up a little bit. If you're in tech, it's because you, you know that something isn't as efficient or as effective as it can be. We've got to disrupt our stupid startup culture. We have to. This idea that your employees are human beings is not a concept that should only apply to a nonprofit tech startup. It's not a concept that should only apply to liberal college kids. And it's not a concept that should only apply to a team of 22-year-olds who are disabled. Guess what? You gotta meet people where they are. The team it means are enormously empathetic people. It takes somebody special to spend their high school and college years building a charity instead of a solid beer pong track record. Really does. And I love these people with every ounce of my being. I can get up here and tell you that I am disabled, that I have major depressive disorder, and I have been talking about wanting to die since I was four years old. I can tell you that because my team is right behind me. I can tell you that because all of this grace that we have in our office about meeting people where they are, my team has reflected that back at me at least twice as much. Allie, the young woman I talked about with bipolar disorder, that's not a pseudonym, that's actually her name. And she really is bipolar and she really is amazing at her job. Disabled people can do incredible things. We are, we have, we have finals next week, also help. We, we have finals next week, oh God, we have finals next week. We're, we're doing this in a really unideal situation and we're still doing fine because we have met each other where we are and we have granted ourselves the grace to grow. So if you take nothing else away from today's talk, let it be this. Caring, like actually caring about your employees doesn't make you weak. It makes you smart and strong enough to be vulnerable. Thank you so very much. Okay, good afternoon, and I'm, I'm so grateful that you didn't faint while you were up here. I loved your talk. Fabulous. So I'm Annette Rippert, and I'm a Senior Managing Director at Accenture. I run Accenture's North America Technology Practice. I am delighted to have a very diverse practice, uh, and that's been accumulated over a number of years of very hard work, and we invest a lot of time in building that practice and then helping to build tomorrow's practice with several programs that we invest in in order to develop young women in STEM and related technologies. So, you know, today I'm very pleased to be here to partner with AWS here on the reInvent Diversity Series and I appreciate all of you taking a moment to listen to all these viewpoints because I think everything you hear here makes you a stronger leader, a stronger peer, a stronger member of an organization that helps to build a more diverse and inclusive environment. So today, I'm pleased to introduce Catherine Galsvig Wood. She's a senior managing. She's a senior manager uh, working at Accenture on our Accenture Cloud platform. Now, Catherine is the senior product manager for this platform, and it's a tool that enterprise use in order to manage uh, their cloud resources. It controls costs. It looks to improve efficiencies, and it enhances security of cloud environments. Now, Catherine is a pioneer in her field of IT. She joined DEC after graduating from Lawrence University with a bachelor's degree in piano performance. So talk about meeting somebody where they are. So she went on to take on a leadership position at Cray Research. She's a self-taught programmer, and she seeks to integrate viewpoints and approaches from a multitude 
of disciplines to create breakthrough IT products and services. She divides her time between London and her hometown of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and she continues to perform as a singer and a pianist in her spare time. So please join me in welcoming Catherine. Okay, I need to clarify something right away. I don't consider men fascist bastards, okay? <laughs> well, at least not all of them. Um, <laughs> but this quote is even more relevant today in a way that John McCarthy could not have imagined when he was writing this some 35 years ago. I think we're all now seeing the signs of this dystopia he was warning us about. Software systems that steer us toward making specific decisions. Platforms that enable outsiders to disrupt our political system. Information gathering mechanisms that threaten to disrupt, to threaten to erode our personal privacy. All coming from an industry dominated by men and white men at that. Now, would these signs have been appearing had women had equal representation in IT since the beginning? Interesting question. I don't know the answer to that, but what we do know, what the research proves, is that any process and any system can be improved through a diversity of viewpoints, and in particular, the addition of women to technology teams results in those teams making smarter decisions. So what I'd like to do today is recommend three things that we can all do to bring more women into technology and then keep them there. Okay, first, we need to stop judging women, and people actually, in terms of whether they're technical or not technical, as if it's some sort of binary criterion. And in particular, I want women to stop thinking in terms of, am I technical enough? Let me share a little bit of my personal story here to illustrate this point. Now, my leap from being a piano performance major to a career in IT would not have been possible if it hadn't been for the mentorship of some key people. I was completing a music theory assignment, and I thought, this is just math. So I taught myself programming by picking up the language reference manuals in the computer lab. Now, when it was time to graduate, the director of the computer lab said, why don't you apply for a position with a company that makes these computers? This was Digital Equipment Corporation, or DEC. So I wrote a letter to DEC, and I said, look, I'm not technical, but I learned to program despite your poorly written manuals, and I think you should... <laughs> I, I said, you should hire me to rewrite, to rewrite them, and so they did. And I got there. And I discovered that I was not the least technical person there. In fact, they were actively recruiting people with the expertise they needed. In this case, writers and professors of writing and bringing them in and then saying, okay, you have the skills we need, we'll teach you the rest. So here's the deal. Had it not been for the broad-mindedness of the director of that computer lab and the leadership at DEC, I wouldn't be standing on this stage today. It's as simple as that. Now, you can say that this is not unique to women. But let's be real here. I hear that statement, oh, I'm not technical enough, far more from women than I do from men. And I see that binary judgment being made far more of men, of women, than of, than of, uh, than of men. Sorry. Um, I think we need to stop turning women away because they're supposedly not technical. Or suggesting that they need to code in order to contribute to the field of IT. The second suggestion I'd like to make is that each one of us invest in ensuring that women's voices are always part of the IT conversation. Now, those of you women in the room today who have tried to make your points heard over a chorus of male voices on a WebEx or a Skype call, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> We need to make sure that the girls who code, let alone the girls who don't code, aren't in for a nasty surprise when they get to a position in technology and then encounter the type of scenario I'm going to, to describe to you right now. So imagine a typical conference room in a high-tech company, surrounded, the conference table is surrounded by 10 guys and me. 
We're discussing a complex topic, and I ask what a particular three-letter acronym means. This causes one of the guys to leap up to the table, to leap up to the whiteboard and start drawing, effectively mansplaining the concept to me, <laughs> when all I wanted to know was what those three letters meant. So he turns around to face the room and then looks specifically at me and says, are you following this? Now, in this case, I had the rare opportunity for this amazing comeback line. I said, not only am I following you, I actually have a patent application on the solution to that very problem you've just described. <laughs> but then I stood up and walked out of the room. Now, you might think that this type of thing doesn't happen so much to me at this point in my career. But this was just three years ago, in 2014. Now, if you'll allow me a shameless plug for my employer here, I have to say that Accenture is very supportive of women in technology. And I subsequently found out that when I'd walked out of the room, one of my Accenture colleagues had turned to the mansplainer and said, cut it out. She's got a few things to say here. Now, through that small intervention, he was able to make sure that when I came back into the room, the entire emotional climate had changed into one in which I was being listened to. Now, I talked about technical versus non-technical, making sure that women's voices are heard. The third idea I have is that we need to change the entire dynamic of the technical conversation so that the people who need technology are driving the discussion as opposed to the people making the technology. Now, if this sounds fanciful or, or Impossible. Let me just share a, a very simple way in which I did this. So I was consulting to a team of women, customer service reps, who were about to be replaced by an automated voice response system, being coded, not surprisingly, by an all-male team. I wanted to somehow change the dynamic of this conversation so that the subject matter experts were actually driving it. So I did what anyone would do. I taught them database concepts. Um, <laughs> I related database design to how they had to answer questions to their customers. And before long, those women were writing SQL and talking about data normalization. It was beautiful. I changed the whole dynamic of that conversation. And I have to say that most of those women went on to successful careers in IT. Now, what I had done there was what had been done for me when DEC took a gamble on a performance major. And I continue to pay it forward by encouraging women, even those ones who aren't technical, to lead the discussions. And the reason I feel so strongly about this is that women powering tech is not an issue of gender equality. It's about something much bigger. And that's why I chose to feature this quote. Women have certain innate qualities that are desperately needed in IT right now. Emotional intelligence, intuition, social awareness, compassion, to name a few. Because technology is not about code, it's about the people who write the code. The personalities of the coders and their demographics manifest themselves in the apps that control our behavior today. Think about it. To paraphrase from Kate Crawford, who now heads the AI department at New York University, the biggest challenges facing IT today are not technical, they're social. And women have the social understanding that can temper the potential fascist tendencies that McCarthy was warning us about. Now, we all have a role to play here in making sure that women are not unfairly judged as not being technical enough, making sure that their voices are heard, and trying to change the dynamic of the whole technical conversation. And it can start today. It can start through small steps, but small steps that have the potential to change the very personality of software, and therefore, the very fabric of our virtual lives. Think about it. Thank you.
Hi, everyone. I am. I have to say, I'm the non-technical person that's presenting today, so I'm so happy to be following that presentation. My name is Julie Peffer. I'm actually the Vice President of Finance for the Sales, Marketing, and Customer Support team here at AWS, and I couldn't be more excited to be here. Uh, I've been at the company since uh, about February of this year, so I'm pretty new to the company. This is my first reInvent, and uh, I couldn't be more excited. I, I mean, this is a great event. Today, just today, being in this event just makes me uplifted to be part of this. So thanks, everybody, for attending today. Uh, I am also so excited to introduce our next speaker. Uh, our next speaker is a DC-based entrepreneur and leader in the tech sector, Lakeisha Grant Shepard. is the CEO of Virtual, uh, Virtual Enterprise Architects. She's been instrumental in the concept of collaboration as opposed to competition. Keisha not only does great business for us as a partner on government contracts, but also has a passion for service in her community, building cloud skills for students from HBCUs. Welcome, Keisha, to the stage. Thanks so much, Eddie. Yeah. Good afternoon, everyone. Let's see how we can advance this. Well, I have to give the disclaimer. I'm from the federal contracting world, and we normally do things behind a podium. And since I have a podium, I'm going to be behind the podium, okay? <laughs> Another disclaimer, I have a cold, which is why I have the water. So if you may see me take a swig, it's because uh, I'm battling from that cold, okay? But uh, other than that, especially after seeing so many wonderful presentations, um, I wonder why am I even here? How did I even end up on this stage? And what's really interesting is my life sort of changed back in 2014 when I attended my very first reInvent. And I know that sounds a little dramatic, but it truly did change my life. And here's why. So you see these pictures, right? Now look through, and I have a dollar for the person that can spot me in any of these pictures. Okay, so take a look, give you a couple seconds. Can't find me there, right? What about here? Can you spot me? Nope. Now, why did I show all of those photos? And you're definitely not going to see me there, right? But why did I show those photos? Now, we're in Vegas. I can place bets. You probably can place bets on odds, right? Now, Trying to find me and spot me in any of these pictures is nearly impossible. And that's because, as what you guys experience while being here at the conference, finding others that look like you is very hard to do, right? Uh, especially when you look for someone like me, right? Um, someone who is short, relatively young, great, amazing hair, and a beautiful <laughs> smile, right? That's what you're thinking, right? But it's really the tech-savvy folks, the tech-savvy women, who are not only missing at this conference and missing um, in our work environments, but they're missing at our conference tables, in our conference rooms, at executive boards, and of course, in some of our tech companies and tech startups. Now, in this picture here, this was taken from 2014, the Women in Technology Luncheon. So I mentioned that my life changed at that reInvent conference, and it literally changed at that Women in Tech luncheon. And that's because I saw different perspectives from female executives, but no female business owners. None who actually own tech companies and their perspectives and how do we diversify and how do we change the pipeline of not only women in tech, but just diversity in tech, right? So, uh, while I sat there, I thought about my sphere of influence and how could I impart some kind of change and tell this story a little bit differently if I were to be on the other side. Well, I turned that passion into ideas to not only increase my own VEA, virtual EA pipeline, but also how can I do things within my community to sort of change that, uh, change the future of how we can change the pipeline of diverse candidates. So what I did was, as anyone here would do, I went to the AWS help desk. And I asked them if there were any education 
representatives or anyone that can help me with some ideas that literally came to me as I sat in that luncheon. And some of those ideas were really embridging the gap for ethnic minorities as well as you know, female minorities and all kinds of underrepresented populations. How do we get them in to the pipeline of tech? Um, how do we provide jobs? And eventually, how do we retain them while in those tech careers? So since 2014, I have worked um, tirelessly with AWS as well as uh, within my own community to ensure that we build and bridge opportunities, learning opportunities for uh, underrepresented uh, kids, high school students in the Washington DC area through on-ramps to careers in which we provide cloud computing uh, technology um, training and resources to our historically black colleges and universities in which we have been working tirelessly with Morgan State University. As a matter of fact, last month we held our very first ever cloud masquerade ball I actually called it the cloud ball originally, but because it was so close to Halloween, we, we threw in the masquerade to make, give it a little bit of jazz. But um, for that event, we raised $51,000 to help Morgan State uh, develop a dedicated space so that way they can actually learn the AWS curriculum and actually apply some of the skill sets that are being taught uh, through the virtual um, instructors and so forth from AWS. So again, that came directly from sitting in that Women in Technology luncheon. Oops. I think I went too bad. Well, the previous picture <laughs> was from my executive, a picture of my executive staff. Because again, I was inspired during that luncheon not only uh, to diversify the pipeline of candidates into um, my own tech-based company, but to also ensure that I looked at my own personnel and my leadership to see if there are women well-represented, diverse women well-represented in my own company. And so as a result, since 2014, I've actively ensured that women not only held executive positions within my company, but they are leading multi-million dollar IT and cybersecurity-based contracts and projects while being uh, underneath my, my company. Uh, I made sure that I promoted these women not only based upon their tenure with the company, but most importantly, their aspirations to actually be a leader and a project manager and or a vice president, coup, et cetera. And from that experience and from those conversations, I've been able to help diversify our pipeline of, of candidates, motivate our existing female staff, and most importantly, um, I've been able to sort of um, review how do we best retain our diverse staff? So this picture that you see here as an example is from one of our quarterly activities. Now, we have both informal and formal um, recognition for our employees. Now, on the informal side, we provide micro bonuses to our employees. They get 200 points per month to share with their teammates to bonus them for a job well done. Now, on the formal side, we provide our employee of the year with a trip for two anywhere in the kind of United States. Now, that's just an additional way to incentivize them to not only do a job well done, but most importantly, to constantly think about how do I reward, um, how do we reward each other for a job well done and how do we increase performance? Um, in addition to that, as you can say, like I mentioned before, we have our quarterly employee activities that are selected by the employees. This one is from a bus tour in DC, uh, but it's completely open to our employees and our staff, and we have a family environment in which we do some traditions like um, birthday celebrations, birthday socials, holiday uh, parties, team luncheons, our monthly newsletter, and most importantly, our happy hours. <laughs> but our most effective way to retain our staff has been through community service. Monthly, we provide volunteer act activities and, and opportunities for um, our staff to not only uh, meet those who are in underrepresented populations, but we allow for them to interact with folks who are literally battling life-threatening diseases. Uh, and uh, we provide all kinds of, as you can see this activity at Food and Friends, um, all kinds of activities in order to get them to see that it's about service, not just service to our customers, and not just service as an employee, but service to each other and service to our greater community. So now back to reInvent 2014. 
At that luncheon, I mentioned that I had a lot of ideas, but one of those ideas was to work with our veteran personnel because I am a, a wife of a service-disabled veteran, um, service-disabled veteran, and I watched him transition out of the military and into the workforce. So as I was thinking at that table, what can I do to impart some change? I also thought about our military community and our veteran community. As you can see here, Adeline Giovi, she was actually our first uh, recipient, our first veteran recipient for the Corporate Hiring Our Heroes program. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. I gave you the disclaimer. And she was, thank you. I'll do it after. Um, see, that's women empowerment right there. And she was our very first recipient uh, of the Hiring Our Heroes Fellowship Program in which we work with transitioning um, military personnel, but in particular female soldiers as they transition out of uh, the military. Now, as you can see here, these are some of our veterans who also transitioned most recently in our recent cohort through Hire Our Heroes. <clears throat> and we make sure that we not only fill key positions with those who are transitioning out of the military, but most importantly, that we're continuously looking for veterans to support our efforts. Now, I mentioned before, I mentioned earlier about the emphasis of business owners, female business owners. Well, as you can tell by this photo, I'm very active in mentoring other female business owners, in particular in the federal contracting industry, since that is what I've had the most knowledge of and honestly the most history uh, in, in, in best practices in um, over these 17 years. But as you can see from here, um, I participate in the Inc. Military Entrepreneurs Program to help those female veteran businesses as they launch and also to sustain themselves as they, as they grow, in particular in the federal contracting business. As you can see here on this slide, um, we actually produced this over this past year, a federal contracting roadmap, which is a, a listing of our best practices on how to better excel in starting your federal contracting business. <clears throat> And the most important thing, it starts from developing yourself all the way through to making sure that you manage and engage your employees, which I guess is the reason why I'm here. Now, based on the previous, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> based on the previous pictures of you guys trying to spot me, right, trying to spot the other quiches, <clears throat> look at this photo. How can we fill these seats? You know, what am I saying? It's all about diversity, diversity in ideas, diversity in skills and outcomes. How do we change the narrative and the stories for the conference for next year and the years thereafter? Where do we find other relatively young, short women with great hair <laughs> and beautiful smiles, right? How do we bring them here, okay? What can you do to influence those folks to come here? And it's not just about seat filling, because we're not in the seat filling business, right? Um, but how can you influence your sphere of influence to see that there's more quiches and more people of diverse backgrounds represented at this conference, right? Not just this conference, but in our, our work environments and at our boardrooms, and of course, <clears throat> excuse me, at the corporate level. This is reinvent. I want you to take this time to re reinvent how you look at diversity within your own organizations. Really reinvent yourself to look at your own life and see how you can be more inclusive of others as well. Uh, if I can look at my own life and make the necessary changes to see how I can incorporate and maybe look at those who, and, and look and work with those who are more diverse than myself, um, but I know if I can do it, you can do it. So please don't all stampede the AWS help desk with any of your ideas and questions, because that was just unique, I guess, to me back in 2014. 
but please be thoughtful and mindful of your spirit influence. And good luck in all of your endeavors, and most importantly, reinvent our world with more inclusion and more diversity. Thank you. Hello. Hi, everyone. I don't know about you, but I think I could be here for another hour and just listen to all these amazing stories. So inspiring. And in fact, it's very heartwarming for me because I have been with Amazon Web Services for seven years now, and I was at that panel. I think I was on that panel in 2014, along with Teresa Carlson, who you'll hear from next. And it's just so inspiring to hear the people's stories that I've heard today about what they are doing, what action they are taking for diversity in their own spheres of influence. My name is Mylon Thompson Bukovec, which is a very diverse name. <laughs> it's also really hard to pronounce, so let me break it down. It's Mylon, which is Vietnamese, because I'm half Vietnamese. It's Thompson, because my dad comes from Ohio. <laughs> and I am married to somebody who is Slovenian-Hungarian in descent. So I do have to say I have three kids, and they have the brown skin, but they have cheekbones and height. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> and so when I live, I live diversity. And when I work in AWS, we think about this and we, we care a lot about this. And I have been working on diversity at Amazon for the entire time I've been here. And I've been working on it for really my entire career. And really what it comes down are, is to the people in this audience and the people on the stage and what you can do every day to build upon the diversity in your life. I'm here to introduce our last speaker of the day uh, for the session. And, I, you know, I, again, I, I want to say a big thank you to both the speakers as well as you in the audience because it's what we learn together as a group that helps us make our environments more diverse. Our next speaker has been doing this for the entirety of her career. I'd like to introduce Jean and Jeanette Peterson. Now, Anne Jeanette Peterson has been an enterprise application architect at Capital One for 22 years. And in, you've been doing that in one company for 22 years. You have played around with every single aspect of the life cycle of software development. And you have a great perspective on what it means to play all of those different roles. And what Anjanette has been doing is she's been instrumental, of course, in diversity within Capital One. But she's also, in the uh, earlier part of this year, written a blog entitled, I'm an engineer, not a woman engineer. And as part of that, she has really developed a really interesting perspective and point of view about diversity in the workplace. And so I'd like to introduce Anjanette Peterson to the stage. I'm a hugger. Oh, I am a hugger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last year around this time, I, um, I came, I was, had just gotten AWS certified. I lead a, um, a, a skills work stream for our women in tech initiative at Capital One in the Richmond area. And I'd been working with different boot camps and different women to help them understand the resources that Capital One makes available to them uh, in order to get certified or to skill up and to adjust because I think all of us go through these massive changes and these disruptions in technology a little bit differently and it can be hard to find and invest the time. So I'm freshly certified and I come walking into the AWS certification lounge, I'm all excited and I'm checking in and they check my credentials and they say, we're so glad you're here. And I'm like, yes, you are. Um, <laughs> and they said, um, do you have all five? Because you'd be the only woman that has all five. And I was like, wait, whoa, 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 wait, why are you excited I'm here? And they're like, because you're a woman. And then I looked around and I was like, oh my God, I am. <laughs> 
look at that. And nobody else in here is except you, and you work here for AWS. Um, so I, I did find out that there, are, there were women technologists that did have all five, and there were plenty of us that were certified. But it was a reminder for me that when I'm at work, I don't realize that I'm a woman. I forget. I don't know. It's, um, it's not a part of what I do. I have this incredible, diverse background. I've been through a lot of change in a lot of different industry and technology. Um, I've had a lot of amazing opportunity with Capital One, but when, I, when I'm working, when I'm engaging with teams, when I'm, when I'm drawing on the board, when I'm leading architectures, I'm not a woman. I'm just an engineer. I'm an engineer like everybody else. And I didn't realize that I was the only woman in the room. And I don't realize that I'm the only woman in the room often. So it was a, it was a kind of a, a setback for me, right? And, and it elevated this level of awareness that inspired me to say, why is that? And, and, and who can we get together? And now I'm looking at this room and saying, wow, right? Last, last year when I was here, I think that I could have, um, I probably could have held court in the Venetians' bathrooms. Uh, that's, that's one of the, the benefits, right? We get, we get very few uh, privileges as women in tech, but there you go, that's one of them, um, is the, the ladies' room line at technical conferences. Um, but I, I really was inspired to change that. So my, my work in the diversity and inclusion at Capital One and outside of Capital One in my communities is to really show up, right, and to be there as a woman technologist and to be an example for the, the youth that's coming through and have them see me leading Alexa Skills Challenges when we're doing our uh, skills development and teaching our young people uh, that, that gateway drug for serverless, right, which is the Alexa Skills platform, and, and showing them that it's really about problem solving and puzzles. It's not about sitting in dark basements. It's not about that career counselor that stops you and says, are you sure you want to do this? You know, this isn't something you could do. There's, there's an arts program right down the hall that you could go to, young lady, and you'd be great. Um, but this isn't the first time. This isn't new for me, right, to, to be that example. My, my first career, I've been with Capital One um, or, or Hibernia, which is a bank that Capital One acquired years ago uh, for 22 years, and I've been doing software. But this is actually my second career, and my first career was as an automotive technologist. When I was young, I really loved cars. And I didn't love cars because they were sleek and beautiful. I love them because of the engine, right? I love them because of the engineering that is required to harness the, the, the kinetic power of explosions, freaking explosions, explosions, right? And, and to take that and, and actually uh, make that a reality and drive that through the kinetic chain of an automobile all the way to, to the ground and to do that um, in, in these amazing ways fascinated me and I loved it. So that's what I studied was automotive technology. And I found myself as an automotive technologist and as, a, as a, um, an automotive technician in one of the, the largest Ford dealers in the area in southeast Louisiana where I grew up. So, I had been in this, in this role where I, I recognized that I was different and I felt different. Um, but it was through empathy and through recognizing that there were other people that were uncomfortable with me being me and, and being empathetic to that, that helped me in order, it, it helped me to get their buy-in and their advocacy. And I developed a strong relationship with a lot of the people that I worked with. And they were willing to shoulder tap the folks next to them and say, you know what, Anjanette really knows what she's talking about and she's credible. And you know, she also might really throw an elbow at you if you, if you get super flip with her. Um, but they, they were able to recognize what I brought and the contribution, not because I was a woman mechanic, and not because I was different, but because I was just a mechanic. I was really good at what I did. I had skills that they didn't have. And there was this revolution that was going on in the automotive industry at the time where everything was changing. And I feel like that's the same opportunity that as women we have with cloud, 
right? There's this disruptive technology coming in and folks that have been running data centers and wires and circuits and worried about water and worried about power and worried about redundancy um, in these huge data centers for years and, and really understand those things no longer have the monopoly on that type of computing power. And so I urge all of you, if you're not already certified, take advantage of the offer today. Take advantage of that offer, study for your certification, and allow that to be your step forward into this digital disruption on the cloud. And represent, be that woman example, be that example that, that shows that, you know, there's not, we're not that one woman in the room. We're, we're actually, we're, we're engineers just like everybody else. And, and we need more of those faces. We need more of those, you know, those short, relatively, um, <laughs> relatively young women with beautiful smiles that are also a part of this engineering. Um, I, I wanna make sure that um, if you take one thing away from this, that you, you share with me um, something that I've held dear, and it was, it was something that my father helped me to understand. He, he helped me when I was young to believe that I could do anything, anything that I set my mind to. There were no boundaries. And he did that uh, by sharing a quote with me and helping me to really understand what it meant. And that was, nobody uh, can make you feel inferior without your consent. So be that woman in the room, be that engineer, be that architect, because it's gender neutral. <laughs> Engineers gender neutral. I really appreciate and love the fact that there are so many of you here and uh, appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Testing? Yeah, there you go. Wow, we have come a long way. Uh, so you heard, my name's Teresa Carlson. I run Worldwide Public Sector, and we sort of started this thing six years ago. Uh, so for me to stand up here and see how big this room has grown, it's pretty cool. Because the first little panel we had, I think there's maybe, maybe 30, 40 people in the room. We, it was really small. But we said, hey, we got to do something. And uh, believe me, there were uh, a lot less women uh, in the room six years ago. Uh, just here at reInvent. So this is awesome. Diversity is changing. There are more women. Um, I think for us, we are the change. We are the ones that are driving this change. Uh, I hope you see coming here that at reInvent, we are really trying to do things a little bit differently. We are, there are more women on stage. Uh, I had my public sector breakfast this morning. I had 50-50. It was what I like to do. I just had my public, se my public sector conference last year in DC. We had 100% female speakers uh, for keynotes, which was unbelievable, and they were so awesome. So there are plenty of diverse, individuals out there that really uh, are amazing at what they're doing. They're thought leaders in our marketplace. And we need to represent who we are. And my business in public sector is by far at least 50% female. So we've got to represent who we are in our customer set. So we are, we are doing um, some things to try to drive change. We want to have more events. We need your feedback. Uh, we, this year, we added a multiple set of events sort of across uh, the time slots so that we can make sure everybody is joining in. But we need your feedback and we need you to participate. And the one thing that I'll share, I sort of spend my time more externally uh, versus internally. There's some of us that we, we do internal things, some of us do external things at Amazon. And I spend a lot of my time trying to create a cloud-enabled workforce around the world. And we do that through our programs like Educate, and we came up with WePower Tech, 
as a program that really is inclusive. So we just had 51 students here today, middle school students, so fun. And there were, there were you know, girls and boys uh, in the room, uh, different languages being spoken. It was amazing. And we all came together around coding and science and space and then learning about technology. And at the end of the day, this is like what it's about. If we can really create an environment of young people that we change, we start, cha we start the change. We are the change. So I would tell you one of the things I don't like to get up, and, I don't like to do the pity party. I like to get up and say, how do we drive the change? And by you all just showing up here and being here at reInvent is driving the change. So next year, invite three friends, and then invite four friends, and then we will fill that auditorium. So I cannot thank you enough for being here, and we need your feedback. Like, tell us what you think, what we should be doing differently, how we come together more. Um, but, but, but there are some fun things that we are really trying to do, and I think we gotta make it fun and exciting while we are driving the change, right? And that's what's important. And we can come together and have these conversations. So now when you leave, we're gonna have a reception. So the fun is not over. So let's have a reception, talk, network, get to know each other, share out your ideas and best practices. Get your t-shirt, please, for We Power Tech. You have to wear that all around and tweet it out all over the place, Instagram. And then, um, you know, just, Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a customer and a partner. And uh, we look forward to seeing you for the rest of the conference and for next year. So thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>